space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And as usual at the moment, we're here to talk about one episode of the Temporal Cold War. Think a bit of a better one this time, so certainly an upturn from the last few weeks. And the latest episode oh, of Lower Decks. I enjoyed last week's, I just don't think it was... Not essential, yeah. Yeah. We got, oh. we got a bit of story in this one. I mean, it's more a story about the Zindi than it is about the Temporal Cold War, but I, I feel like at least we're, we're getting somewhere with it. Yeah, okay. Before before we do that, though, a little bit of Star Trek news, which probably by the time you hear this, um, it'll either be the day of Star Trek Day or the day after, so you may have already seen it all. Uh, but Star Trek are joining the... I think DC have done the, the biggest one so far in terms of these online conventions. And DC did the fandom, and now for Star Trek Day, which is... Uh, the to commemorate the the eighth of September, which is when the original series first aired, uh, we're doing this thing, and it looks like it's going to be on CBS All Access. Hopefully, it's going to be streamed somewhere for the rest of the world. I'm um, hoping it might be on YouTube because you can get I, CBS uh, on YouTube, and they yeah. did all the last ones on that. I mean, the the thing is with like they're doing a program of Star Trek on CBS All Access. Like the show in a marathon and stuff, so I can understand if that doesn't go up. But um, the panels and things, effectively, a lot of it is advertising, basically. You know, getting these panels on and discussing it. It's it's good business for CBS to put that out to the world so that it can get interest in their their product, effectively. So I don't. It wouldn't make a lot of sense not to make it free. So no, it wouldn't. Hopefully, we'll get that. But it's, there's all sorts of George Takei's on there. There's um, Freaks and Patrick Stewart are there to talk about TNG Voyager. They've got three or four of them. DS9 is uh, the same. I think Voyager. They've got pretty much all of them apart from uh, Robert Beltran. Yeah, they seem to have. And Robert Beltran's just done, they did one this weekend, but it was a, a paid-for online convention. Uh, he did one, Dragon Con, I think. Um, so, yeah, so there's going to be loads of interesting stuff. Hopefully, he's going to come out of that, so we'll have a bit more to talk about news-wise um, next week because the, there's a Strange New Worlds panel, there's a Discovery panel, there's a Lower Decks panel. So, hopefully, we'll have a few tidbits to, to talk about then. So moving on to our episodes this week then. First of all, The Expanse Season 2 finale of Star Trek Enterprise, or just Enterprise as it was then. And this is not in any way related to the popular Amazon series The Expanse, which I'm sure a lot of people are fans of as well. Uh, but yeah, it's I feel like this is kind of what we'd call now like a soft reboot. It's kind of a soft reboot of Enterprise. It's almost not a, yeah. new, not a new pilot episode, but it's changing the formula very yeah, drastically. It, it's, it, it's taking it from a uh, <laughs> monster of the week that we've been getting and we've been seeing. And this is what a lot of people complained about Enterprise. And it, 
And it, to be fair, it never really the first two no, seasons it, 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 of it, it, being monster of the, of the week and doing what we'd seen in Star Trek, TNG, Voyager, to an in, to an extent some of the DS9 episodes yeah, yeah. as well. And they were just doing the same thing, which they shouldn't have been doing. No, and this took it. In, and you're right, this took it in a different direction. It does. This is very clearly setting the stall going, season three is going to be different. It's laying all the groundwork for... I mean, by, I remember when this came out and it was no secret that Enterprise wasn't doing as well critically. It wasn't doing as well in the viewership. And... One of the things that the producers responded with was saying, "Right, we're gonna mix it up in season three, and we're gonna do we're gonna do one story for the whole season, and it's gonna be a much more gritty sort of take on it, really, and it's gonna reflect real life politics, and obviously." The idea of uh, an unprovoked attack coming out of nowhere and being absolutely devastating is. You know, no secret that this is inspired by 9-11. Oh, yeah, definitely. So that's what we're getting with this episode. And it is a, an audacious sort of opening to the episode. You know, we get this probe that seems to come out of a rift and it basically draws this just a massive scar down the earth, effectively. Yeah, it just, it just fires a laser phaser basically a big powerful beam at the earth yeah and you know it is sort of devastation really that we've not seen in star trek before you know we've had planets blow up and things like that but to see something like this you know uh on earth and something as huge like destabilizing to I know it's not the Federation yet in this time period, but to but to the Earthlings, you know, the the planet Earth is it is a huge, big, audacious opening. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it pulls no punches, does it? No, absolutely, and it is. It's gripping. It's good. It draws you in, and then after the credits, we it it's almost like what we're doing in this episode as well is tidying up a few loose ends from season two because the the Klingon stuff, Juras had. He'd become sort of a bit of a recurring antagonist for Arch. And he, he mentions, like, you know, we had him locked up twice. And this was the season where Archer seemed to get kidnapped or locked up or whatever every couple of episodes. Like, he gets sent to Rorapente in one episode. And, um, yeah. It was, it, it did become a bit of a, a bit of a silly trope, really, that Archer was, all this was happening. But we're wrapping that up as well. And, we're doing this thing of the Klingon naming. It, it seems to go in cycles with Klingons because we've got Worf, who's the son of Mo. But then we know from Star Trek VI that his grandfather was also called Worf. So you go Worf, then Moog, then Worf. And presumably something similar's happening with Juras because this is an ancestor of the Juras, presumably, that yeah. we meet in well, TNG. You've got to assume... Well, I think Juras is the family name, isn't it? It so is, yeah. I... But... I, I I don't, do we ever find out what Worf's other name is? No, I don't think Klingons have them, do they? They're just well, sort of Worf well, of think, the I house of... I think what it is is that... Um, so Morg would be like the first name, but it'd be Morg Worf. Uh, maybe, yeah. It's what, I, it's, what I maybe, it's what I'm thinking. So when he so, was about, it'd, be, it'd, have been, it'd have been just known as Worf. Uh, it could have been that, yeah. That's I think it would. Because <laughs> that's the only way I can make sense of it, that... From generation to generation to generation, you're all called Worf. Yeah, that's true. At least two of them. I mean, you do get that in families. I mean, more, more so 
uh, in America than in the UK, but you do get people who are like so-and-so the third and so-and-so yeah. junior and yeah. So either way, the Juras family have always been a bunch of scummers, really. They're always the bad guys. And we know that he's coming after Archer, so we're going to get that wrapped up this episode. There's something weird I want to touch on a little bit later on in terms of the timing of it all, but um, we're setting up that as a threat. And then the main thing is we get a briefing by Archer and he's essentially letting the crew know what's happened on Earth. And I think there's it's really good acting from Scott Bakula. Like, his face just looks haunted when he's talking yeah. about it. And that's something he, you know he'll he'll develop yeah, he, that. He's, he's had a mess. He's had messages obviously from Starfleet Command <laughs> is informing the crew, but they want to know things. It's like Trip wants to know what part of Florida. Yeah, exactly. Arch, Arch doesn't have that information to give him. No, that's it. And it we sort of had this before with Archer that he doesn't always know the right thing to do. Like we talked about that in the one where they were saying the mission was going to be over at the start of Shockwave and everything, and. He is the first person to be in this position and have to deal with all this. And they're, they're cut off from everyone else. They're out in the middle of nowhere. And I think he sells that really, really well. Scott Bakula yeah. does a really good job with it. And there's this thing recurring through the episode where every time it's addressed, we get an updated casualty report. And it's, you know, at the start, it's a few hundred thousand. Then it's one to two million. And I think we end up with about seven million as yeah, the... Cool. Yeah, but by the time they get to back to Earth, they're up to seven million dead. Yeah, so it, it is a huge, devastating event that's happened. And then, meanwhile, we get the Sullivan again turn up, and this is where we get a temporal Cold War. They kidnap Archer again, so that's another kidnapping for Archer yeah. in Season 2. And he meets Future Guy, finally. Oh, well, he me- yeah, he's he meets kind of the Sullivan's mysterious Future Guy. Yeah. But this time, future guy sort of is almost on the good guy's side. He's he, at least he's making some sort of truce with Archer yeah. here. Now, yeah, this is really weird because all the way through up till now, the Sullivan's time guy, future guy, mm. his objective has been to get Enterprise back, recall back to yeah. Earth. So the Federation doesn't happen. That seems to be his end goal, is stop the Federation. Stop the Federation. So here we have that it's well in Archer that there's another faction. So this is a fourth faction. (laughs) Yeah. Now, we don't we don't really know apart from Daniels, who we think is Federation. Yeah. We don't know anything about the other two at all. And now we've got another fourth faction that have total told the Zindi that we don't know anything about. <laughs> yeah. That they have to destroy Earth. <laughs> and Future Guy doesn't want this for some reason. Yeah. So, may- I mean, there's one or two things. It could be that his goal is to destroy the Federation, but not humanity. Like, he still wants humanity to exist, but just not to yeah. become part of the Federation. Um, Or... He sees the Zindi as a bigger threat and therefore wants humanity to take up arms against the Zindi. So, you know, it could be yeah. could be one of those things. But he's, you know, he's very forthcoming at this stage and he gives Archer a lot of information. You know, that, as you say, there's this other faction and the the probe that we got at the start was just like a warning a test, shot, a test effectively, yeah. 
And this is the, just a little one. <laughs> the, yeah, exactly. So they're going to be building something even worse. And this is apparently because the Federation will destroy the Zindi in 400 years. Or oh, that's that seems to be what Future Guy's saying at the moment. Or, or that's what the fourth faction will happen. Yeah. It isn't that the Federation will destroy the Zindi. This it's... fourth faction has told the Zindi yeah. this is what's going to happen, which so, is... So that looks to be what the state of play is at the moment. Um, so again, yeah, I don't remember how much more explanation for this we get in season three. So I'm hoping we will well, get a little bit more about this other well, faction. This, this is our ninth episode, is it? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. We've already looked at Carpenter Street, which is so we've only got another three episodes. Yeah, three. Uh, have we got three or four? It might be four. One of them's four, a two-parter. So yeah. So, yes, there's not a lot of time to pay off the Temporal Cold War. Yeah, um, now, I was thinking about this today and how far on we are with how few are to go. And what we do, and I think it's partly that it's going so slowly because you're expecting Enterprise to run for seven seasons. Yeah. Which TNG, Voyager and DS9 got. Yeah. They, they weren't massively interested in doing it. It was forced on them. So they're taking the time. And to be fair, this is... <laughs> We're less than a third of the way through if they're expecting if, seven seasons. Yeah, but we're we're actually halfway <laughs> through in terms of what actually happened. But yeah, but yeah, I take your point. It might have been that they thought we've got a lot longer to tell this yeah, story. Like, like to be fair with Enterprise, like Enterprise was probably the first one of the first ever TV series to be cut because of internet campaigns. <laughs> and all sorts and I think it's a lot to do with that the studios weren't used to what this way you can get trolls and etc no that's true I mean it, it will have been the first Star Trek that really got a lot of that yeah I think it's the first major series to be to fall victim to mm. internet campaigns against it and I think the studio jumped because even if low figure Star Trek series worldwide are actually massive for any other series worldwide. Yeah, absolutely. And as as we always say when we're talking about um, Star Trek, it's it's all the ancillary stuff that comes with it. The toys, the DVD sales, the comic books, the novels. The, yeah. It, it's endless, you know, but... Yeah, and, like, I'm not sure how many countries is it that uh, the original series is still being shown in every single day. Oh, absolutely. On reruns, it's massive, it's massive, massive yeah, it business. Is. And, you know, not to take anything away from Enterprise, because Enterprise does also get, you know, it's on heavy rotation repeats and everything. Yeah. So I'm sure they've, they've more than made the money back off of it. And I'm sure had they done seven, that would have also done business, but... Either way, we're we're halfway through the story of Enterprise now, effectively. And so, the rest of the episode, then, we do get Juras attacks them. And they manage to fight it off. And you get this pretty cool scene where you get other Earth vessels coming into it. Yeah. Sort of like the, the early Earth Defence Force. Yeah, I like some of them ships. They look because they're actually different designs as well. Yeah. And I suppose because they, they make a point in this episode that the NXO2 is still being built, so they couldn't have just reused the Enterprise uh, yeah. model for it. So, uh, yeah, which makes a lot of sense. The Enterprise was the prototype. Yeah, so I really enjoy that, seeing other ships coming and everything. And then we get sort of the, the main part of the episode is what goes on on Earth and 
Archer wants to go on a mission to get the Zindi. The Vulcans yeah, are not the Vulcans keen on it. The Vulcans still adamant time travel is impossible. Yeah, and they don't want them to go either because uh, we find out where we get the title from, the Expanse, and it's this Delphic Expanse. Archer compares it to, like, the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. And the Vulcans have these videos of Vulcans going insane. and it... Well, they don't show that. This is a, That's actually shown a lot later on by Tapal on the Enterprise. Yes, story it is. On the way. And... But... You have, um, oh, what's his name, the Vulcan? The main guy. The, yeah. I always forget his name as well, but yeah, I know which one you mean. But he's still adamant that time travel is impossible. And Archer makes a valid point. He goes, if there's a one in a million chance that this is right and we can stop this happening and it's going to stop stop the Earth being destroyed, surely I should take it. Yeah, It's exactly. one starship with 80 odd people first. However many billion populations up to by then, I'm going to assume eight, nine billion. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, the Vulcans up until this point, they've had this sort of almost like a one-upsmanship thing and they've not wanted Earth to do that well and it's a little bit spiteful, but it's like now we're talking about potentially the survival of the entire species. So it's time to rein it in a little bit and let them get on with the mission. And he, he goes quite far with it, doesn't he, the, the Vulcan? Like, he gets this this doctor to go and look at, you know, basically interrogate Archer, and he's pretending to be a doctor, but he's not. He's a psychologist. And yeah. I like Flox's reaction in that scene, that he's, he's like, this, you know, where's your medical yeah, ethic? Yeah, when he looks into it, um, this examination is over. Yeah. I really like Flox in that, that he's he's standing by his, his Hippocratic Oath and, he, you know, he, he's taking the moral high ground and everything. I like that from him. You don't often see Flox get sort of angry, but I think it's it's deserved in that situation. And meanwhile, we've also got Reed and Trip, and we have this thing running throughout that Trip's lost his sister, effectively. Yeah, his sister was in Florida. Yeah. There's, um, a, there's um, a little bit. There's not, he goes, there's nothing left to bury in. Yeah. And later, Reed talks about, oh, well, they did, um, they had like a memorial, but that was when they were on their way back to Earth, sort of. Which, this is where the timeline with the, the Klingons, I'm not sure, really adds up. Because right at the start of the episode, just after the probe attack, we get this thing of them saying, right, we're sending Juras. But then he attacks, just as they're coming back to Earth, which is... Well, presumably gonna, months later. Assume, well, if we look at Broken Bow, it's take it should have taken Juras two weeks to get to Earth. True, yeah. So but, we've got to assume it's taken Enterprise two weeks to get well, back. But there's a line from Reed later on where he's talking to Trip and he says uh, they had like a memorial service a couple of months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so unlo- it's either that it took the Enterprise. <laughs> It's either it took the Enterprise months to get back or they spend months on Earth. Either way... I think, I think they've maybe actually spent months on Earth. In that case, then, when... Jur- and, and Jur- the reason I'm going on that is that when they look at the NXO2, they say it's still got 14 months till it's ready. Yeah. When they're building it. So they're not they're not massively fast at building ships. This is as fast as they can build one. And they're doing a, a big retrofit on the Enterprise as well. Yeah. So then, they've done the Enterprise refit, so I've got a feeling that they haven't been there days. And and I'm going to give them that they've actually been at Earth quite a while. Well, if that's the case, that's fair enough. But then Juras doesn't attack again until they get to the Delphic Expanse. So he, 
he's been very patient, you know, waiting for them to expose well, themselves again. Well, it's actually after Archery, so... Yeah, no, it's just it's that... After Archery and down on Earth, so that probably makes it a lot harder for Oh, them. I'm sure it does, but it, it just sort of... It's a little bit weird within the context of the episode. So, so the episode only takes 45 minutes. So yeah, it the feels, passage of time isn't conveyed very well. Yeah, so it, it feels like, you know, the Klingon just keeps attacking him, attacking him. But actually, there's a big space in time going on here. Um, so it makes these bookends with the Klingon ship a little bit odd when you you really start thinking about it. But, you know, it's not a, it's not a plot hole or anything. It's just it takes longer than you might get the impression of just watching the episode. And... Yeah, he attacks them again when they set off from Earth. Uh, but now they've got upgraded weapons, they, they see him off pretty easily. So, again, that's he attacks them on the way to Earth and gets frightened off by the other ship. Then he attacks them when they're leaving Earth. So what's he done in the meantime? Has he just been hanging around waiting for him to... Yeah, he's just had a chilled out time. Just clo- a, l- a little bit like Nero does in Star Trek uh, 2009. He just waits around for 20-odd years for his next... What? Yeah, like, the deleted scenes actually explain where he was, which... They do, yeah, and there's... It it doesn't make a lot of sense, actually. When you you see the deleted scenes that explain where he was for 27 years, it makes a lot more sense than just sort of hanging about. Yeah, it does a lot. Um, So, yeah, then the the other main thing is T'Pol deciding to stay. And obviously, you know, we've talked about T'Pol and how far she's come along... And, you know, it's obvious to us that she's going to stay, but it's, I think that's good. It reinforces the relationship between her and Archer, and it shows that she's on the side of the, the crew and everything. So yeah. I like where her characters go. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I quite... I, we didn't find out the same amount of stuff as you, as you do nowadays. No. About cast for the future seasons and how long they signed up for. Because you can work out who's leaving series now if you want to on the internet. Oh, yeah. You didn't have it then. And this is end of season. And we know it's not being very well. And it's sort of like, oh, well, is T'Pol leaving now? Yeah, could they be getting rid of one of the, the main cast members yeah, to save a bit of because, money? like, Archer says, don't he? Because he's asked by... He's asked how many of your crew are going to stay with you. And he goes, oh, I think eight or nine might leave. Yeah. And we also get the reference to the Makos that they're bringing on board. We don't meet them this episode, but we're moving towards a more militarised sort of thing on the Enterprise, which, again, that's going to pay off next season. We're going to get to explore that. And also, the Makos are referenced in Star Trek Beyond, so there are elements being introduced that are going to have repercussions in the, the wider Star Trek canon and everything. Yeah, I think, and I think it makes sense that they're still a military. Yeah, certainly um, at this stage, yeah. Yeah, it, it's like we haven't got Starfleet, so I'd, ima- and I'd imagine that what we're getting here, Starfleet, is almost a military branch anyway. Yeah, and it's and it, it makes a lot of sense because it's like, right, you, you're probably flying into a lot of trouble now. Your mission's no longer an exploration mission, so you need a strong military presence there. Yeah. And then we get... The final battle, I think, is pretty cool. Like, when the the Juras first comes on and Archer just says, go to hell, and <laughs> he's not even entertaining him at this point. <laughs> yeah, 
well, it's too busy. He's got more important. Yeah, exactly. And he, it's almost, you know, you could read it as sort of a metaphor for where the show's going that, like, right, we're going to kill off these dangling plot threads from season two. We've got a better idea now. <laughs> and we're moving into this expanse and moving into this indie story. So they do, a, like, a loop-de-loop manoeuvre, which is a bit... It reminds me a little bit of Wrath of Khan in that, you know, the two-dimensional thinking thing. It reminded me more of um, Undiscovered Country, how they target the engines. Yeah, true. Yeah, because it's all, well, he's got good front shields, so let's fly around the back of him, which, yep, that that is exactly what you'd do. Yeah, and it, it's some nice nice flying here yeah. by Mayweather. Yeah, Mayweather pulling his weight for once. I think that's the only thing he does in the entire episode, <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, it's a cool little battle. We get rid of Juras. We've wiped the slate clean for heading into season three now. Yeah. And that's it. It finishes with them going into the expanse. So I, yeah, I think... There's a few parts that we see, um, a few CGI bits. And I don't know if you noticed, there's the part where Trip and Reed are in Florida looking at the crater, yeah. the crevice. And it's lovely CGI. Apart from they did them two in CGI, and they look <laughs> awful. And there's another part as well later as the Enterprise is leaving Space Dock. It's lovely CGI, apart from they have two astronauts. Yeah. In spacesuits, and they look really bad, and it's sort of like, they've got the CGI at this point nailed. Apart from people, they can't do people. Yeah, really I well. mean, yeah, that's... People's always been a problem with, yeah, uh, with CGI. Yeah, I was thinking, well, but... they could have very easily done without Trip and Reed. They could have even impose them onto it. Yes, yeah. And they could have just left out the astronauts of space. So they could have just had it flying out. You yeah. don't need them there. No, you I don't think need you're people right. for a reference of how big the ship is. We know how big it is. I mean, this is one of my big pet peeves about CGI is that it people tend to use it just because you can without thinking about whether it's going to look right or not. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think. I imagine when this came out that that looked really, really good. Oh, yeah, especially for a TV budget. And and the actual, most, the CGI looks good apart from the people still, but the people just haven't held up. I agree with you. I think you're right. And, you know, it's not even something that we get particularly now, you know, realistic CG people are very, very tricky to do. And, you know, this was coming out around the time that, you know, we had the Lord of the Rings at the cinemas and that was sort of the first time they did these big, massive battles with loads of people. And, you know, that looked good, but there was, a, be, there was a hell of a lot of money spent on that. Too? Um, yeah, it probably will have been. You see, they'd have thought they'd have learned the lessons that don't do people in oh. CGI from that, wouldn't you? You really do. I mean, there were a lot of lessons to be learned from Matrix Cause, 2. Because even when that came out, it looked bad. Oh, it looked awful. I mean, the, the, the Matrix has got a nice get-out-of-jail-free card, though, because the Matrix is literally a computer simulation, so if it looks yeah. like a video game, that's kind of okay. Yeah, um, it's a glitch. But, yeah, it's a glitch <laughs> in the Matrix. I don't think it was meant to be, but... <laughs> yeah, you can use that. <clears throat> okay, you can use that when it's in the Matrix. But yeah, the, the Matrix 2, I think, had bigger problems than bad CGI. The script was a, yeah. a better one. But anyway, we'll, we'll, go to, we'll go back to the Matrix sequels at some point. <laughs> uh, shall we move on to uh, Lower Decks then? Yeah. So for those of you that's not seen it, we'll be back after the Red Alert.
And then for those of you who have seen the latest episode of Lower Decks, which was called Cupid's Errant Arrow, I thought it was another good one. Yeah, I I enjoyed this. I think it's it it's like just it's the proper episodes of Star Trek. Like I think that ev- that we've all been sold the wrong thing. This show. Yes. We were sold. We were sold a comedy Star Trek. Yeah. And we should have just been told. We've got an animated Star Trek show that's got some humour to it. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. I think the the marketing leaned heavily into the it's a comedy. As opposed to leaning in, no, this is a bloody yeah, good Star this Trek is, series. Yeah, <laughs> this is what people have been asking for, is a weekly Star Trek series. It's set more or less in the TNG era, you know, it's set just after Nemesis. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I think, these last couple of episodes, we've shifted now to more of a focus on story. And I think the show's better for it. I think yeah, it's really kind um, of finding its voice now. Yeah, the first couple of episodes <laughs> were sort of trying to introduce us to the characters very quickly. Yeah. Which is f- fair enough, and it did a good job. It introduced us to the characters in yeah. short order. But we've, we're past that now. We know who the pe- who the guy, everyone is. Yeah. So... Just tell us good Star Trek stories yeah. every week. And I and think that's yeah. what they seem to be doing. They do, yeah. Um, am I right in saying this episode there was no pre credits scene? It just went straight yeah. into the credits. Yeah, yeah, it just goes straight into yeah. the credits. I'm trying to think. I've got a funny feeling that there's an episode of TNG that does this. There's definitely one of uh, one or two of Discovery. Um, I'm not sure there might be a TNG. I'd have to. I'd have to look it up. Um, I mean, Encounter at Farpoint does, but a pilot. But yeah, it's we've got a similar setup to last week again with this, in that we've got another ship, and there's a bit of tension between the captains of the two ships. And this time, it's not a ship that's exactly the same. It's the Vancouver is a better ship than the Cerritos. Yes, it looks like it's a similar sort of ship, but a more up to date design. Yeah, it does. And you've got this thing of there's aliens. They basically they're going to do a controlled demolition of a moon, uh, which I just like that phrase. That that's a very modern day phrase, a controlled demolition based on a moon, <laughs> not a building. Yeah. And you get all these aliens arguing over it, and I noticed one of them said it's all conspiracy by the government, which I think that is a dig at a certain. Um, how shall we put it? A certain political leaning that can be very vocal on social media and on the internet. Yeah. And it can be applied to any number of things at the moment. And we'll just sort of leave that there. But I thought that was a nice little... Yeah, I think they're digging, having a dig at people Yeah, as well. I thought that was a nice little dig. And then the other main, <laughs> the sort of character story, if you like, is that Boimler's got a girlfriend. And there's all these jokes about, oh... Well, we have to meet her mysteriously on the holiday. Holiday and, again. <laughs> yeah. And which, I, which I, what I did like is that he goes, no, I've got past doing that now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it sounds like he's actually done this at some point. Well, if it's good enough for Geordie and it's good enough for Barclay, there's no yeah. reason it shouldn't be good enough for Boimler. So. <laughs> but yeah, he's moved on. Uh, anyway, it's good enough for Janeway. Yeah, absolutely good enough for Jane. Well, it was once she deleted the wife and everything. She had to make a few (laughs) modifications. And, yeah, so you've got that going on. And then Tendy and Rutherford go to the Vancouver and they love it. And they've got this thing of he's going to give them a a new tricorder. Yeah, a T-H-8. Yeah, so they're sort of competing with each other to try and win this tricorder. 
And when we meet Barbara, then it turns out she is real. Uh, but there's this thing. She, she's got an ex who's also on the Cerritos. And he's much cooler than Boimler. <laughs> Which, to be fair, most people are cooler than Boimler. Yeah, yeah. It, it could have been anybody on the Cerritos. <laughs> yeah, very to true. To be fair, it'd yeah. be cooler than Boimler. That's very true, yeah. And Mariner obviously takes this dislike to her and she's running through all these things like it could be an alien. And she yeah, goes... It, it could be, or a parasite's taken over. Yeah, she or. runs through all these things in the episode, which are all things that we've seen in yeah, various episodes. Like, well, we get a nice little uh, memory flashback from Mariner where she talks about this actually happening. Yeah, that's and that flashback's great. So we get the... TNG first contact nemesis era uniforms. Yeah, we and, get uh, we see DS9. Yeah, it's DS9, which is really nice to see DS9 again. Though I think the scene is actually taking place aboard their ship. We're not actually on DS9. No, we're not on DS9, but it's on their ship. Well, I'm assuming it's on their ship. It's Doctor DS9. Yeah, and what uh, I'm, you know, I don't take credit for noticing this myself, uh, but I've read it in various articles. The ship that we see is the same ship that Beverly has in All Good Things. Yeah. So that makes this technically the first canon appearance of it because that was a future timeline that might not have happened. Yeah, that's true. So this this is the first actual proper version of that ship. And yeah, the, the flashback's good. I like how Mariner's got a big afro in the flashback. Yeah. Just to differentiate it, make it a younger version. There's been a bit of talk about how the timeline matches up with this because obviously... We've got the DS9 era uniforms, so the earliest that this could be is after First Contact and after the middle of DS9 Season 5. So Yes. That's the earliest it could be set. But they're gossiping about Law teaming up with the Borg, which was a lot earlier than that. But then also, this is where we are now in the Lower Decks timeline is quite a few years later than First Contact and everything. So it where does it fit with Mariner and her timeline? And I've well, read I've read well, various it, articles well, about well, it. Well we had it we had it last week where Boyler said that Mariner was the same age as him. Yeah. But we already know that she served on five other starships. Well, that's probably she keeps getting chucked off though. But yeah, yeah but I've I've got a feeling that she there's some there's something going on there that <laughs> Well, it's got to come out about her age. Yeah, I mean, there's a good article. You know, I won't sort of repeat everything they say in it, but if you look on Den of Geek, the website, there's a good article that looks at all the possibilities of when this scene could be set. And yeah, I'll let I'll let people go away and read that. So there's various times it could be set in. Some of them make a bit more sense. Some of them make a bit less. Uh, but one of them that they mention is uh, that. As you just said, that Mariner might be a time traveller or something, you know, that there's something we don't know. Yeah, or she's <laughs> or yeah. she's not maybe she's not human. She maybe that's why she resents her mother so much. Maybe it's not a real mother. She could be like Gynan, she could be an Elorian and yeah. they're very, very long lived. Another little throwaway line in that scene that I like though is when they're talking about the Enterprise, they go, It's a new thing with them every week. Yeah. Which is obviously a very meta... <laughs> we got an episode every week. <laughs> yeah, very meta-textual reference. So uh, that's... I like that. And uh, there's a bit earlier on where 
they're talking about, I think it's how one of the guys looks. And they say, it's a Kirk Sunday with Trip Tucker sprinkles. <laughs> so again, lots of, lots yeah, of references so, there. Yeah, they're quite good. Yeah, they are. The, the, they have toned it down a bit. Actually. They have. Like, the first episode was almost every other line. Was yeah, and especially Mariner right at the end just rattled off the names of about 20 yeah. different characters all in a row. But yeah, there's some really good stuff. Like, the the overall situation with the aliens gets mostly sorted out. There's quite a good bit where it, it turns out that the population of the planet's just two people. And they're like, okay, right, you're moving on. We're not yeah. even going to bother for that. And yeah, there's all, you know, there's loads of different stuff going on in this episode. I like Mariner's Wall where she's trying to work out what's going on. And we've got like the salt vampire and what looks to be the version of Lal that they had before she chose her appearance. Yeah, and there's quite a few in there. Transporter but... clones like Tom Riker. And... Yeah, it was it was well done. And she's out, uh, could be soon. Sullivan. Yes, Sullivan, good Which call back there. Reference. Yeah, that works out nicely for us since we're dealing with them a lot. Yeah, well, to be fair though, that's the first time the Sullivan are mentioned yeah, yeah. this after Enterprise. Yeah. So they are still about in the universe. Yeah. So no, it sort of ties in a species that we had in Enterprise that had never been mentioned in all the subsequent yeah, Series no, it is good when the... In the timeline actually happen after. <laughs> yeah, it's good when we get little call-outs like that. They're not sweeping anything under the carpet. We're not pretending that, um, you know, Enterprise never happened or anything, even if it's not the most popular. So, yeah, it's good yeah. that we get those. It's like, I wonder if at any point we'll get um, any mentions of Discovery. Yeah, I would like that, certainly. Yeah. Well... Like, everyone's meant to be on pain of death, isn't it, to mention anything of That's Discovery. That's true, yeah. It's going to be interesting if they actually bring Discovery into it yeah, or not. Yeah, who could mention it? I mean, there's there's the big thing of technically Picard would know about it because of his mind meld with Sarek. Yeah. But then I imagine that Picard would, because he also mind melded with Spock, he would know why it was all kept secret. So I, I would expect that he would honour it. So yeah, um, yeah, I yeah, expect... Picard did honour it, but I'm trying to think who else might. I mean, say it could, it could be. They will bring it in. There's all sorts of possibilities. I mean, it could always be. Yeah, you know, if they wanted to do it, they could always just say, right, it's been declassified now. They they'll find a way. If they... Yeah, and no, it's just the way that lower decks is. Yeah, where the lower decks could get away with. Uh... I mean, they could have a reference, maybe. To uh, I don't know Captain Giorgio, you know, before you know, yeah. she died before all of it, but then they pretended she hadn't. Though maybe not. They could maybe <laughs> reference Locker, or they could just reference show the uniforms or one of the ships or something. Yeah, possibly. And ultimately, this all leads to a confrontation between Barbara and Mariner, and they end up bon- bonding over Boimler when they realise that they're both human. And yeah. And that he's actually got a parasite. Yeah, that's the twist. <laughs> there, it's him that's had the parasite, and that's the only reason that she was interested in. Yeah, yeah, it's sending out a pheromone to make. Which is, well, yeah, it's a that's little bit heartbreaking for poor Boimler. <laughs> there, it's an amusing ending to the episode. And meanwhile, like, what you... I do like is that there's like Boimler's gone off on the shuttle with Barbara, so they offer, I assume, for quite some time they're meant to be the two of them. Yeah. As they've got, as they're monitoring, holding the shield in place around the moon while it's imploded. 
So he is taking full advantage and he's stripped off in the chair. Oh, yeah, he's it. not wasting any time. Good lad. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be for him anyway. Yeah, it just makes you wonder how often things like this happened on the show. Oh, all the like time. A couple of weeks, two of them off. Off on yeah, their own. it's not always, you know, Chief O'Brien reading his technical manuals. Yeah. Mind, in that episode where him and Keiko go on holiday, she says something about do the seats in the runabout recline. So, yeah. yeah, it's obviously a thing. And then, no doubt, whoever gets the rubbish jobs, usually Mariner, would have to clean the runabouts when they get yeah. back. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Tendy and Rutherford, then. That all wraps up. It turns out that this... Um, I think he's a lieutenant commander. He's yeah. he basically he wants to get off that ship because it's yeah. too exciting for him. Yeah, so he's been looking for which one of them's best and he goes, Oh, it's both if you can both transfer here. Yeah, he just wants out. He's like, No, I wanna go on a boring ship and get out of the way. And it ends up they they nick loads of the tricorders in the end. So Yeah, them two are quite uh, funny together. Yeah, they are. And as I've said, I would like to see the the pairings mixed up a little bit more uh, because the the default at the minute seems to be Boimler and Mariner and Tendy and Rutherford. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind mixing it up a little bit more and seeing how different pairings could into like, I don't know, maybe have the two boys and the two girls and see how they bond separately. Yeah. Um, or Mariner with uh, Rutherford. Yeah, it'd be interesting. <laughs> Because I imagine, like, Mariner, Boimler rises to it when when Mariner winds him up, but I'm not sure if Rutherford would, so that could be interesting, her trying to get a rise out of him. And... Yeah, cause, and he's right into doing his job con- constantly, yeah. isn't he? So, so that could that be... re- I'd imagine that would really bugger. Yeah, that could be really interesting, and, and I'm sure we'll get it at some point. But, yeah, again... I... I think it's another strong episode. I think the the getting the balance right now. We're telling decent stories first that are quite funny, rather yeah, than yeah. The uh, I I hope it carries on like this. Like get the story right and then put a bit of humour in. Yeah. And as I've said all <laughs> along, I don't care if it's not funny in any way, shape, or form. This series. No, if I it's don't. Good Star Trek. I am happy with Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think. I've, you know, for whatever reason, I think the the one the comedy element and that's been important in the creation of this. Yeah, so I, I don't... think well, like let's be honest here. Like I'm I'm approaching fifty, you're approaching forty, and that's the demographics that are, are massive into Star Trek and are trying to get that younger audience. Yeah, they are. It's which the, I don't blame. The... Need more generations going through that are into Star Trek. Yeah, it's the the key demographics like the eighteen to thirty five. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but then, I mean, we're probably not good examples because we've been into Star Trek, whatever demographic we fell into, but, um, yeah, but yeah, I can see that this is trying to get the Rick and Morty crowd and everything like that, but I think the comparison's not fair because it's not as out-and-out a comedy as Rick and Morty is, and I don't think it needs to be, I don't think it should be. No. If we keep the balance we're at now, I'd, I'm happy with it, but well, The balance you know. it's got now, it's, it's, it's creating its own identity. Yeah. It's well, good It's good humorous Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, we've had great episodes of Star Trek in the past that have been funny to watch and had humor. Tr- uh, Trouble with Tribbles yeah. is yeah. a very funny episode, but it's proper Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's one of the most popular Star Trek episodes oh, out yeah. there. If you do polls, you get City on the Edge of Forever, tr- 
trouble with triples are always up there in the top Yeah, top they're five. usually one and two <laughs> in most cases, yeah. So I think that's about it then for, for this week with Lower Decks. Uh, we'll be back next time. We're carrying on with the Temporal Cold War. We're looking at a Season 3 episode. We're skipping over Carpenter Street because we covered that yeah. one a few weeks ago. Yeah, we might do a quick recap of what happened for the Temporal Cold, yeah. which was Temporal Cold War. Really. Which was, unsurprisingly, not very much. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and then we'll be back as well with the next episode of Lower Decks. Hopefully we'll also have some news from this Star Trek day. If you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. You can email us RetrekPod at gmail.com or you can join the Facebook group, search for Retrek and come and have a chat with us on there. Uh, but thanks for trekking with us this time and we'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.